All right, let me say good morning to all who are online here and uh, welcome to our uh, week six of the uh, book of uh, the book of Acts, the survey of the book of Acts. And so I am um, excited to, to jump back in. Um, let's see here. There you go. Okay, there you go. Um, I am excited to jump back into this lesson here and um, go ahead and um, pick up from where we left off um, the previous week um, in chapter two. And so we're going to go ahead and finish chapter two today. Um, and then next week we'll hop into um, chapter, chapter three here. So let me hold on here please. There we go. Okay. Did that right. Okay. So then um, we'll hop into um, chapter three um, next week. So uh, before I hop in and do a little review and hop into the, to the lesson, are there any questions or comments from the reading or from the previous week? Um, you can go ahead and ask those questions or make your statements now. Uh, Dale, I see your hands up. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Good morning. Um, in the previous lesson, you touched on it briefly, and I was I did have a quick question. Um, mm -hmm. You were talking about um, we were talking about the priests and the prophets and the kings, and my question with that was, was there a hierarchy or a line in which? either the priest or the prophet went to the king or I'm saying like um, did the priest had to go to the prophet and then the prophet had to go to the king. Was it a line or could either one do it? I was just wondering about that process. Um, when it comes to approaching the king, you see yes. the, the prophet um, speaking to, to the king. Um, so it wasn't really a hierarchy. They all kind of Kind of work, kind of work together. But um, as we see in scripture, we see the prophet um, approaching the king um, and speaking on behalf of God to to the king. And so the king couldn't go to God on his own. Um, it's either between the priests, the priests, or or the prophet that the the king will um, will speak to God in in that in that way. Or sometimes you may see. God speaking to the king directly, but um, there's a, a few instances that that will happen. But um, more than likely, you will see the common the common trend is that you see God speak to the prophet, or God will speak to the priest, and then they will communicate His message in that way. Okay. Yep. Yep. Anybody want to add to that or comment or? Okay. All right, cool. Um, anybody have any other questions or comments and things of that sort from the previous reading or even this week's reading? All right, cool beans, cool beans. All right, so we'll go ahead and hop into um, our lesson for, for today. Okay, so um, 
So we are looking at the hope of Israel and the resurrection arrival last days. So the last time that we met, we talked about the hope of Israel and where that kind of stemmed from. Um, so their hope was to one day um, be restored back into um, the, the being that Israel nation, being that powerful nation. But it either, but um, it goes even deeper than that, in which um, the Israelites, the Jews, did not understand that um, it went deeper than just um, establishing their their kingdom or their um, nation on earth again. And so we know that they were taken down um, in power um, by uh, during the exile because of their disobedience. God allowed the enemy to come in and to um, take them into um, exile. And so, but the hope of Israel stems even deeper than just um, Israel themselves. It stems from the beginning of time well, when the sin, when sin came into the world, uh, when the fall of man, and it was always God's desire to restore um, restore the world back to where it was before the fall of man. And so the storyline that we get um, now, like our scriptures, is that storyline on how God um, is planning on restoring the world back to where it was before the fall of the fall of man. And so um, this hope of Israel, we see it communicated or we see this type of this type of language in the covenants that God had established um, and through Abraham, um, the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. It's always uh, talks about blessings. It talks about um restoring. It talks about um, them being in power again. And it's not, um, and it wasn't in the way that they thought um, that they will be in power again. God had, of course, um, a bigger plan in mind. Um, and we know that at the end of time or in the consummated kingdom, that, um, that his nation will rule on earth and that there will be a king, Jesus Christ being the king, and he will come back and rule here on earth. Um, but they didn't have that type of revelation at that time. And so they just thought that God will establish them back to be in that powerful nation they were before, um, before they went into exile. And so we kind of walk through um, scriptures to show um, God's plan when it comes to creation, how he did a recreation in Exodus um, with his people, um, establishing his, his people um, from amongst um, the world of, of that, that, that had various backgrounds and things of that sort. He established um, the people, the Jewish, the Jewish people, and begin to do his recreation again. And once we begin to grow in our capacity, we'll be able to see the type of language that is used in Exodus. It's the same type of language that is used in the creation, the beginning of time. And so you see God um, continuing in His plan on creating uh, this this nation would be uh, this nation would be kind of the the prototype of how he wants his his uh, how how he wants the world to eventually be and so of course 
<laughs> when we uh, study uh, the Israelites, they they weren't they weren't that example for the world, but that was God's plan for them to be this prototype or this example uh, for the world and how they were supposed to live. And so now we're continuing um, in God's plan of salvation. I'm jumping to the New Testament on how um, if in order for Israel to receive restoration in what they were looking for, in order them to receive uh, revival um, in which Ezekiel talked about in his scripture, um, there had to have been a resurrection. There had to have been some type of um, redemption um, that need, needed to happen in order for them to receive um, re uh, restoration, okay? And so this is kind of what we're talking about today. So we're going kind of deeper um, in our understanding of the resurrection. And so we're understanding resurrection from a Jewish perspective rather than a Christian perspective because we only know resurrection uh, with Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting, but it goes even further back in scripture that talks about this, this resurrection um, that had to occur, okay? So are there any comments or questions so far? Just kind of give you a summary of what we talked about the previous week. Um, but today we are going um, we are going to, of course, continue to learn more about the historical context of Luke's uh, meaning. I'm sorry. Uh, hope that didn't show. Okay, sorry, I had a call come through. Of Luke's meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, we also going to understand how the theme of Jesus' death and resurrection is dealt with by Luke in its entirety in both of his two volume work. Of, um, so we're going to see um, how he deals with Jesus' death and resurrection in the book of Luke. And also we're going to look at it in the book of Acts as well. Okay. So, um, and then of course we're continuing. We looked at the resurrection hope um, the last time we got together. And then we're kind of, kind of continue, going to jump, um, touch these sections a little bit here, bring out some passages, do a little dialogue. In. Um, but of course, we're not going to go in depth. Um, that that is your job to do do the reading and if you have any questions or comments that you want to bring forth definitely jot those things down while you're while you're uh reading or highlight um and um bring them bring them to class and we can do some discussion with that but we're going to kind of touch on these points here um go through some passages in the book and then do some dialoguing okay so i hope everybody is doing all right so far Okay, so we're going to jump back to here. So we're, we're looking at it, uh, resurrection in Luke's gospel. And this, this side says, from a literary perspective, Luke seems to be telling his original readers something about the closing of his gospel and the opening of the book of Acts with an emphasis on Israel's resurrection hope. Um, so we see it in Luke 24 and Acts 1, particularly in Luke 24, three aspects or accounts of the resurrection are told. Um, and so what point did Luke want his original readers to get? Okay, so that's the first question. And so Luke wanted them to understand the purpose of Jesus' resurrection. They, um, 
they didn't really understand his uh, his resurrection. But one thing that they kept on looking for was restoration. They kept looking for revival. They kept looking for for this Messiah to redeem Israel. So they were looking for redemption. And so Luke wanted the, his readers to understand the resurrection. Okay. Um, and so when we look at, if you have your, your Bibles with you, um, when you look at, let me pull it up here. Um, when you look at Luke 24, um, the author of, of our book is breaking down um, Luke 24 into, into three sections here. Okay. So I hope you guys, if you have your Bibles, you can, uh, let me see here. I don't know if I can zoom in. I'm using a new software. So no, I can't. Um, so, um, no. Um, so, um, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of scan through it. So the author of this book, he's, he's dividing up, um, Luke 24 into three sections. And so in your book, he says, um, he, he breaks it up from um, verses 1 through 12, 13 to 35, and then 36 to 53. Okay, so the first, the first section dealing with chapter, I mean, verses 1 through 12 is when the women went to Jesus's tomb to, you know, do, do you know, what they usually do, uh, bring some spices and clean up, you know, things, things of that sort. Um, but when they got there, there was no, there was no body there. Um, and the groundskeeper um, said to them, uh, why do you look among the living for the dead? And so, um, and so here, the, the, the women were the first to witness the, the, the empty tomb. And in that they went back to the other disciples and they did not believe the women, but Peter jumped up and went to the tomb and um, he went there and he saw the linen clothes. He saw, um, and he was marveled um, in what happened. Okay, and so this right here shows Luke emphasizing the, the resurrection. Um, let me go into to the book real quick. Um, Let's see here. Let me go to page. Um, this is on page 73. Okay. And um, in that first paragraph, he says, focus on Luke 24. And then when you jump down a few lines, it says Luke and Luke 24 and three scenes. So that's what we're looking at right now. Much of the unique to Luke's gospel emphasizes the physical reality as well as the meaning and the significance of the resurrection. And then uh, going to the next paragraph, it says this physical reality of the resurrection is repeatedly highlighted throughout Luke 24 in the following ways. The confusion and despair of the disciples in each three scenes indicate that they, they weren't naive or ready to believe anything and they weren't expecting the re resurrection. And then number two, it says the emphasis on the empty tomb, particularly in the first scene, this is what we're looking at now, emphasizes that he is not here, okay? And so this is what Luke is trying to bring out, that in that empty tomb, uh, Jesus was not there and he um, said it um, beforehand uh, of how things were going to play out there, okay? So in the second scene, you got uh, verses 13 to 35, you have um, two disciples on the road to Emmaus and um, Jesus did not allow the disciples to know who they were. And so Jesus approached them and said, you know, what are you guys talking about? 
Um, and they were like, well, are you, are you the only one that haven't heard about all this commotion and chaos and the, you know, things that's been happening here these last days. And, um, and so they begin to proceed to tell Jesus that um, this Messiah, uh, this Jew from Nazareth that came, who was a prophet, um, he did mighty things, but we had hope. In verse 21, it says, we have hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. So here you see their expectation of redemption. Um, and so uh, Luke is um, telling um, in this particular um, particular passage about the despair and about the sadness that these um, uh, that these um, disciples had. One of the disciples named Cleophas, and then the other one was unnamed. But it is told that Cleophas was actually Jesus's uncle. That's what that's that's what scholars are are uh, come are um, coming up with that um, that Cleopas is Jesus's uncle and they're they're talking and they they invited Jesus in to 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 sup with them and to eat and things things of that sort and um, and so in in the uh, in that line when they realized that who who he was you see in verse like thirty two. Um, they said, you know, did not now our hearts burn while we were talking to him on the road while he opened to us the scripture. And so Jesus had to open to them the scripture and for them to understand what just happened. And then they said in verse 34, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Uh, then they uh, told what happened uh, on the road um, and how uh, he was known to them uh, in the breaking in the breaking of the bread. Okay, and then he begins to appear to his disciples, the the eleven disciples in the in the second uh, section there. Um, and so the uh, uh, in this section here, he begins he he appears to them um, in a uh, to show them that he has been resurrected and that he is real. Um, and they, uh, of course, you know, were shocked. And uh, he says, you know, why are you troubled? Why, why did doubt arise in your hearts? Uh, you know, he began to show him his hands, show him the hands and feet and things of that sort. And um, so Luke wanted to really emphasize to the readers on the physical uh, witnessing or the physical uh, uh, how the resurrection took place and that um, Jesus was resurrected just as he said um, he was. And so if you go into the book, finishing up where we left off on number four, it says the physical bodily, even, even if transformed resurrection of Jesus, reference to the body, in particular the placement of the body, the same body that went into the tomb was raised. So the meal um, in, in verse 30, in almost every line, even word, um, which stresses that this was not a vision. Jesus was able to be touched, and this was a very unique event. And so this is what Luke uh, was definitely communicating. And this allowed Luke to, uh, to really bridge, uh, build a bridge to the book of Acts um, and how um, he is setting up for, for Acts 1. And so you see the pattern with Luke. Um, it was two two that witnessed in the first section with the, with the women. And then um, in the next section, you got the road to Emmaus. You got the two men that Jesus witnessed to. And then um, you got uh, Jesus appeared to the 11, the disciples. 
um, except Thomas. Thomas came in later, uh, but uh, you have that. And then it says up for, um, for Acts chapter one, when uh, Jesus began to witness to other disciples. So the 120, and in that 120 was, of course, Jesus' family. Um, and so uh, we see here um, the witnessing, the, the appearance that Jesus did uh, you know, after uh, post-resurrection uh, to everyone was, was so important for Jesus to do, okay? Um, uh, any questions or comments so far? So I hope that you all kind of read that section on, on Luke um, 24, but Jesus, he is showing them that he is the resurrection, that he is, um, that he is the one that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that I guess he's, he's the, embo the embodiment of, of Israel, that he is Israel and that, um, that he uh, had to be redeemed before they could be redeemed, okay? So what they did not understand um, that the fact that Jesus had to do this type of work here. And so the, the people thought that salvation was only available through um, the people, through uh, Judaism, that you could only get to God if you convert to Judaism. But now as we see God's plan continue to unfold that, in order to get to the father, you must come through the son, the one who was redeemed, the one who was resurrected, the one who was restored. Um, and so we see here um, the, uh, the, the focus begin to shift and things, things of that sort there, okay? So going back to the slide, um, that last, I think the last question on the slide, it says, um, what does the Holy Spirit want faithful uh, readers to understand today? It appears that the physical or the, or the witness to the resurrection was essential in a way to first century readers that is not experienced by believers today, okay? So the importance of witnessing um, the resurrection or witnessing the post-resurrection of Jesus Christ was so vital and was so key in their day, okay? So we're gonna kind of talk about that um, even more. Uh, Jesus even said, said to them though, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet, yet believe, okay? Um, and so there's gonna be even a more importance of those who have not seen him, but yet still believed, okay? But right now we're talking about those who have seen him, who are, who are um, physical eyewitnesses of, of Jesus' resurrection and how important that is, okay? Um, and so we, we talked about last time the, the, the requirements of salvation and how um, while Jesus was on earth pre-resurrection, that they had to believe that he was the Messiah in order to be saved. And now after post-resurrection, they had to believe in his resurrection. So you have to believe in the finished work. And that is for us today as well, that we have to believe in the finished work, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection um, of Jesus Christ. Okay. And so let's go to the next slide here. Um, it says, of course, the physical resurrection is essential to our faith today, but in a historical sense only. And the reason why we say historical sense is that many other uh, beliefs or religions out there 
believe that uh, that uh, this continuation of the resurrection of the body still goes on today. So with the Catholics, they believe that when they take sacraments, when they take the Eucharist or what we know as the Lord's Supper, they believe that the bread and the body actually turns into uh, I mean, the bread and the wine actually turns into the body and the blood, like literally. So they they pray over it and then miraculously um, it turns into the body and the, 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 the blood. And you see, when you see them take communion, they are not touching the elements themselves, but the actual Pope or the actual Bishop is touching the elements because the elements are so sacred and that they were the only ones to administer uh, the, the holy sacraments. And so they believe that, uh, of course, they believe that the bishops and the, um, and the Pope have the same authority as the apostles in scripture. And so they believe that they were the only ones that could administer uh, these elements here and the only ones that could turn these elements into the body and the blood. And so we don't want to, we, we don't have a uh, instructions to take uh, sacraments or take um, the Lord's Supper in that manner of believing that it turns into his um, body and bread. I mean, his body and blood. We see Jesus actually, um, actually uh, when he does the, the Lord's Supper, that is actually a, um, a sign, like a sign, or it's just, uh, I can't think of the word that I want to use, but it's, it, it was um, kind of a, a, metaf a metaphor or, or um, what's the word? It's, it's not coming to me. Symbolic. Uh, say it again. Symbolic. Symbolic. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word for some reason. Uh, a symbolic uh, meaning of his body, body and blood. It wasn't his actual body and blood, but the Catholics believe that when Jesus prayed over the elements, that it actually turned into his body and blood. Okay, so we don't want, we don't want to believe it in that sense, but we believe that he did uh, die and that he did resurrect. So we believe it in a historical sense. Okay, um, and so um, it says that um, Luke goes on to show his readers that the fact of the physical resurrection was not the only thing critical, but the meaning and significance of the fact that must be understood also, okay? So um, the meaning and significance for Luke's original uh, readers um, uh, of the resurrection could only be understood as the fulfillment of the Jews' own scriptures, okay? And so when it comes to the meaning and significance of Jesus', uh, of Jesus resurrection, Jesus is saying that he is the resurrection and that he is the fulfillment of what the prophets were saying, okay? So all the Jews um, see is that the people would be restored. Um, they didn't see that um, that one person had to be restored first in order for everyone else to be restored, okay? Um, and so uh, finishing the slide here says, so Luke presents Jesus' resurrection in the context of God's continuous unfolding plan of salvation, which the Jews expected were only for them. Instead, Jesus' resurrection caused confusion and presented a stumbling block for the Jews. And we talked about that, how 
um, Jesus Christ dying on the cross was a stumbling block for the Jews. And, and it's also mentioned in, in our book as well. Um, if you wanted to do some more reading, um, according to the book of De Deuteronomy, that it says, you know, curses any man who, who, hung, who hangs on a tree. And so that was a stumbling block. Uh, for the Jews. And so, um, and so definitely, uh, if you haven't finished reading that, um, definitely read that. But when it comes to Jesus doing all this stuff, uh, they were not expecting that. They didn't want that in Messiah. They only wanted for the Messiah to be this political deliverer. Thanks for dying, doing all this stuff. But when are you going to restore the kingdom? Even in all of this, all of the teachings he did all, all uh, for, for three years and, and then the last 50 days, 40 days, he does um, uh, this, this whole kingdom discussion and kingdom teaching, but yet they still ask in the, in the book of Acts in chapter one, verse six, they ask, when are you going to restore the kingdom? They just wanted for this Messiah to bring them back to where they were, but they didn't understand that in order for them to be restored, that Jesus had to go through restoration himself. <laughs> so, um, and so there, yeah, so that is kind of uh, what we are, we're looking at here. Um, let's go to the book um, on page 70, I think it's 74. Uh, no, yep, 74. And the, the paragraph that says, Luke not only affirms his physical reality, that one, it says, um, Luke not only affirms his physical reality of the resurrection, okay, but also highlights the meaning and significance, okay? So as indicated above, there are considerable emphasis in each of the three scenes, the confusion of the disciples. Correspondingly, there's a focus that of the, uh, on the explanations provided for the disciples. So in 24, six to eight, um, the extended explanation given by angels is unique in Luke's gospel, particularly related to Jesus' own words. And then 24, 30, 13 to 32, the whole journey along the road with Jesus um, is also unique. Um, and um, and uh, see, about the journey to understand these two disciples. And then 44 to 47, the second half of the, of the meeting appearance with the disciples that begin in 36 is also is all about reminding them of what Jesus have told them and their understanding of scriptures. Okay. So, um, so that's kind of that part there when we're looking at the resurrection in Luke's gospel and what Luke is trying to communicate uh, to his or, original readers. So any comments so far or questions? I was just um, gonna say that they went, I think it was a point that you made before about how they were looking for Jesus to come in a particular way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's very important, you know, that even we as believers can't have all these notions about what God is supposed to do, but it's so important to seek his will because um, what he's doing may be different from what we think but it's so much better yep i i i totally agree uh with your statement there that yeah we have this idea of how jesus or uh how uh, everything's supposed to be in our lives but um 
<laughs> when it comes to his, his will and his plan, it is strictly to the scriptures only. And so if we want to understand God's will for our lives, we got to stick to the scriptures. And yeah, so that is a, that is a really good point um, that you brought up. Thanks. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Okay. All right. So we're going to go ahead and hop into the next section here. Um, it is the resurrection in Acts. Um, okay. So yeah, let's go here in the slide here. It says in Acts, Luke continues with this theme in the sense that um, eyewitness, uh, that eyewitnesses of Jesus' physical resurrection are highlighted. So you see on page um, 77, there is a chart um, that um, the author of this book um, give us um, the fact, the, the importance of, of eyewitnessing and how Luke is continuing this theme of eyewitnessing, okay? And so the meaning and significance of the resurrection is presented as the accomplishment of God's purpose in the death and resurrection of Christ. In doing so, Luke uses the theme of resurrection to expand the saving gospel message to include the Gentiles too, okay? Um, and so when it comes to um, the, the, the idea of witnessing, this became a very vital, very critical part of their of their witnessing or of their preaching of, of the gospel, okay? So this right here of being a physical eyewitness is only unique to this particular time period. We don't have that same testimony of being an eyewitness of, of, of Jesus in post-resurrection, even though you may hear stories people saying, oh, Jesus walked into the room and he uh, began to speak to me and uh, yeah, 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 and all that stuff. But there is no expectation in scripture for that to happen for us today. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of leave it at that, uh, that uh, just like we just got done finishing of how we expect for Jesus to, to move or to speak. We need to make sure that we understand the scriptures on understanding how Jesus moves and how he speaks and, and things of things of that sort there. Um, and so uh, we, we don't have to work so hard to, to conjure up this, this uh, testimony of, of Jesus actually coming to us. Like I said, blessed are those who have, who have believed and have not seen. And so our, our testimony is based on the belief in uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, his finished work and how, you know, you, you came to that point and things of that sort. But when it comes to the apostles' testimony, uh, when they're preaching the gospel, they actually saw Jesus. They actually uh, uh, were witnesses to his ministry, witnesses to his resurrection. And so their testimony is, of course, different from, from our testimony, okay? Um, so, um, let me see here on page 91. It says, just as Jesus did before then them, the apostles connected the resurrection to the hope of Israel. Um, it was meant that the eschatological blessings of the end time were introduced. And so this is, um, this is uh, what we've been calling the inaugurated kingdom. Jesus came on earth to introduce 
this, uh, this kingdom, and he introduced it in, in two aspects, the inauguration and the consummated. And so, uh, so now Jesus has introduced uh, the last days uh, to, to the people of Israel, and now is, the, is being spread, uh, of course, to, to other nations uh, through the preached gospel. But uh, we talked about a few weeks ago that there were uh, certain key events that, that will happen or that had happened that shows them, shows the people that they are in the last days. For instance, his birth, um, his ministry, um, his um, death, his resurrection, those were signs for Israel to let them know that they were in the last days. And so of course, uh, we talk about, bring about uh, just about every week on their mentality on the last days, they thought that um, they were um, over here in the in the kingdom, about to enter into the kingdom over here, but they were actually over in this particular area here, which is the beginning of the last days. And so you may say, uh, even today, we are in the last days. And people say, well, they've been saying that for years. But yes, it is still true. We are in the last days. So even though it may have been about two, almost 2,000 years since uh, Jesus came, actually, yeah, a little bit over 2,000 years since Jesus came um, on earth and began to announce the last days, uh, we have to remember that uh, one day, it's a thousand years to, to, to God. And so it's not long, maybe long for us because we live in time, but God is in eternity and it's not long actually. So eventually we will um, uh, see the, see the last days, last days, as we say, like, this is the last day, last days. Uh, it will, it's, it's coming soon. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, that's uh, one of one, what I want to say about that. And so in the book on page 76, um, it says the, let me go to it, on the, under the resurrection in Acts, it says the proclamation of Jesus' resur uh, resurrection, yeah, that's the part, um, is one of the most prominent things in Acts. The resurrection of Jesus is the climax and the focus um, of the sermons in Acts. Um, so it tells you some sermons you can look at, uh, especially in Acts 2 and 13. So even Paul's defense before um, Eric, I can never say his name right, um, uh, Areopagus, something like that, in Acts 17, was prompted by his early preaching concerning the good news about Jesus and his resurrection. Okay, and then hop over to... Um, uh, I believe it's 77, the paragraph that starts out as Luke and uh, as in Luke 24, the sermons and acts following a recounting of the events of Jesus' life, uh, um, death uh, by crucifixion, stressed the historical reality of the resurrection with emphasis on the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. The body put to death was the body raised, okay? And Jesus' disciples saw him. The reality of this, Jesus' appearance however, becomes dominant in Acts as a proclamation of Jesus repeatedly refers to uh, eyewitness testimony, okay? So just keep that in mind there that this was a very prominent um, theme or prominent um, idea to have when, when, the, this, when the disciples or the apostles were ministering that they 
um, talk about their eyewitnessing of Jesus' resurrection. Um, so then hop to page, I think still on page 77, but then go to the part that says, thus, at, I think it's under the chart. It says, thus, the resurrection is frequently spoken in terms of eyewitness testimony um, of the risen Christ. So important that this eyewitness testimony of the risen Christ that is made one of the requirements for the replacement of the apostle in chapter one, verses 12, okay? So you see when they were replacing Judas um, and bringing in another apostle, that one of the requirements is that you had to have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is still the requirement for apostles. And so um, and so when, uh, so you got, when, when Paul, um, uh, when Jesus uh, witnessed to Paul, he came uh, post-resurrection, witnessed to, to Paul, um, in his in his body, Jesus came and witnessed to Paul. So that that um, qualified Paul to be an apostle. Okay, meaning may question that like, well, if if uh, Jesus left by then, how could Paul be an apostle? Remember the the experience on the road to Damascus that he had. Jesus appeared to him, and so that um, made him um, uh, eligible. <laughs> To be in to be an apostle, okay, and then you see um, the apostles extending their authority to other other people, and of course, um, uh, uh, giving their their authority for them to to be an apostle. But it ends right there because they didn't have the authority. Uh, the second generation apostles, you could say, did not have the authority to extend it to anybody else. As you um, begin to really study, really, um, as we continue to, to grow and study, you will read the other testimonies of the other apostles, the second generation apostles, and said that the authority that the first generation had, we don't have it. And they said it right in their writings there. And so you see right, right then and there, the the um, the office of apostle ended right there with the second generation um, apostles. So they didn't have the authority to extend it to anybody else. And so the original twelve plus Paul had the authority to extend um, the apostleship to to others. But when it came for the, that second generation to extend, they didn't have the authority to do so. Okay, and so that right there um, as um, witnessing the, the resurrection was so key um, um, here in this um, particular uh, passage that we just read for the appointment of the apostle, okay? Um, so let's see here. Uh, and so when it comes to, as we see, uh, when they're preaching the gospel, you see in, in chapters two and chapters three, when they begin to herald or to, to preach the gospel, they're doing it like in these big old groups. And um, because at that time, everyone was unsaved. <laughs> and so you only had a particular number of people from you know, the day of Pentecost, 3000 or so that were saved. But when they went out to other places, began to herald the gospel, everyone was unsaved. And so you see um, Peter, you see uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Stephen, when he was um, preaching, he began to give these speeches um, and began to go through 
through the Jewish history right here shows us, um, we're going to kind of talk about later on, but it shows us the, the structure of their preaching and how they started in the, in, in the scriptures and began to go through the line of the Old Testament and to begin to show um, the Jews um, the, that why Jesus was the Messiah. And that shows us that their audience in whom they preached to were Jews only. Okay. Um, you wouldn't start with Old Testament history when you're talking to a pagan Gentile. Okay. So you can always tell um, who Paul or who Peter or whom, whomever is preaching the gospel. You can always tell who are they speaking to because of the structure of, of their sermon. Okay. Uh, or of their preaching, I should say. And so, um, so we kind of talk about that more on, um, on like page 90 through 96, um, when it talks about the preaching, um, of the gospel. But, um, that's one thing to, to really start looking at when you're reading passages, when Paul is ministering or Paul is speaking to someone, he, when he begins to reference old Testament scriptures, that lets us know that he is not just speaking to a Gentile pagan, but he is speaking to a believer and that someone, uh, well, a uh, a Jew who who knows scripture, either it, it'll be a, a Jew or a proselyte or a God-fearer. Um, but uh, the bottom line is that they know scripture in some way. He wouldn't do that approach to a Gentile pagan. Um, and so, um, okay, so any questions about, about that, the resurrection in Acts? and how um, the importance of being an eyewitness was during that time. Dale, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I do have a question. Um, mm -hmm. I'm seeing similarities in this resurrection, also with the previous resurrection, which is the resurrection of Lazarus. And that there were eyewitnesses, mm -hmm. same body. So is that kind of a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus or just getting people recognized or getting their mindset ready for Jesus' resurrection? That's that is a very good question. Yeah, we see we see that being a kind of kind of a foreshadowing of what is to come. Um, and so we see even when when Jesus was approaching Lazarus and, and how long it took Jesus to, to get there um, to show basically it was basically showing um, that Jesus was the Messiah and that he had power to resurrect. Um, but then, yes. And on the other side, it shows that um that 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 was to come as far as the resurrection and that he was the re resurrection as well so there was so many different aspects of um of why uh Lazarus died and, and why he resurrected but one is is to show that he had the power to resurrect um so it wasn't just uh you see that Jesus took some days to get to Lazarus. So the body, you know, is starting to decompose and things of that sort. So he had to show them that he was, um, he had all power to resurrect. And so that should set them up for, to believe that if he, you know, we witness him resurrecting Lazarus, surely indeed 
he has the power to resurrect himself. So, but uh, but yeah, there there are a lot of uh, a lot of good things and a lot of uh, I guess clues you should say when it came to the the resurrection of Lazarus. Anybody else want to um, chime in on that one? But that was a really good question. No, no points. All right, the saints asleep today, huh? Okay, all right, all right, all right, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so anybody else have any questions um, about this section on resurrection acts? All right, so then we'll hit our last section here is the, um, I'm doing really good in time, Jesus' death and the resurrection um, in acts here. So it says, although, uh, mostly presented together in the book of Acts, Jesus' death um, is at times a separate matter altogether. It is important that students today respect each of the five points about Jesus' death as presented by Luke in Acts. First is God's plan. Um, second is bore God's curse. Three is innocent, holy, and righteous sufferer. Four is suffering servant. And five, the new covenant blessing of forgiveness of sins. Luke wants his readers to understand that both his death and resurrection are central components uh, of the gospel message of salvation. So his death included also the suffering and burial. So um, in your book, if you go to your book, there were some really good, good points I wanted to kind of bring out here. Um, Let's see here. Okay, yep. On page 84 in your book, in the paragraph that says, moving to a more uh, substantive observation uh, concerning Luke's view of Jesus' death in his gospel, we can note the following. The structure of Luke's gospel particularly highlights Jesus' journey to Jerusalem from Luke 9:51. In this way, Luke indicates that the whole of Jesus' ministry must be understood in the light of the cross with the goal of Jerusalem as a context for all Jesus does on the way. And it says Luke repeatedly emphasizes that Jesus' death was the plan and will of God. Okay. Number three, in fact, um, as with the other gospels by including Jesus' concern for the cup, he was about to drink Luke includes the fact that Jesus would drink the cup of God's wrath. Um, it says other indications that Jesus' death was wrath-bearing include the emphasis of Passover and the Last Supper. Um, if you skip down to number four, it says alongside this repeated stress on the will, plan, and purpose of God in Jesus' death. However, is another emphasis in Luke's account of Jesus' death. Jesus was innocent and righteous as seen in the repeated statements concerning his innocence throughout Luke and the allusions to the righteous sufferer of the Psalms. He did not die for his own sins since he was righteous. But number five, it says, Luke also portrays Jesus as the suffering servant of Isaiah. Very broad allusions to this may be found in Luke um, uh, 23 and 9. Um, also, uh, let's see, in Luke 23 and 34, um, and Jesus' intercession for the transgressors. Um, and so it goes, it goes on and on, but this is a really good section here. And then hop down to number seven. It says the, on page um, 86, it says the outcome of all of this is that forgiveness of sins, a prominent theme throughout Luke's gospel, 
is therefore commanded by Jesus himself to be preached in his name to all nations, okay? Forgiving of sins is another component of when preaching the gospel that you must have in your message. So you got the the uh, the witnessing uh, when it comes to um, understanding, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our witnessing. And also to talk about the forgiveness of sins, okay? When preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, preaching is not just a for a particular person and you know how we today you know people will say I'm, I'm called to preach and then they throw you up in a pulpit and things of that sort no it doesn't doesn't work like that if you are a believer of Jesus Christ you will hear the call to preach but you we see in scripture that not everybody preached the gospel the disciples those who are trained, those who are in his word, those who follow after him, those who abide in him will be called to witness, to preach to other people. Um, and so that's um, in the, the last part, preaching the gospel in Acts um, 88 through 91, we see that this, this mandate was given to disciples, okay? Those who learned of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and uh, we see uh, when, it, when it comes to them proclaiming or preaching in the, in the book of um, Acts, they did it to big crowds. But when it comes to us, more of our preaching is more of an intimate setting. We may, um, the Lord may lead us to someone to, to minister and to preach to, um, uh, give your testimony about your belief um, and how you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and begin to walk them through the steps of salvation, begin to say that they are, their sins are, are forgiven and, th and things of that sort. And so um, that happens more of a, in an intimate setting, just like with Philip and the eunuch, how, um, how the eunuch wanted to learn more or wanted to, um, yeah, learn more about what he was reading. It was more of an intimate setting. And the question that Philip asked is that, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, how can I understand if no one teaches me? And so that is our, um, that is our mandate is to make disciples, to teach one another, but he's not going to call you to teach one another if you're not a disciple yourself. And so that's, I believe that um, us emphasizing discipleship in this new sermon series is so important that if we expect to be God's witnesses, God's ambassadors, that we must be disciples. We must be learners of his word, not just be believers, but moving on to being a disciple, growing in him, um, learning more about him than, than that, so that God can use us to, to minister and to be witnesses to one another, okay? And so in this section here on preaching the gospel, um, there are some points that we must remember um, he's, uh, that the author really emphasizes that our preaching must be God-centered. So we must be able to talk about the story, relay the message of Jesus Christ. So that's why I say you got to be a learner. You got to know the story. You got to know the points to say when you're preaching the gospel. Um, number two is you got to be audience conscious. So in in the in the um, book of Acts, they were audience conscious. Um, 
how Paul structured, like I was talking about how Paul structured his message. Um, if he's talking to Gentiles, Gentile pagans, he's not going to start from Old Testament scripture. He's going to start from um, how Jesus came and he and he died and and this is this is for you and things like that. So he's going to kind of come in that in that realm there. Um, whereas with us, we will we will do you know do the same thing. So it's important for us to understand to really look at Paul's approach on how he preached the gospel to unbelievers. Okay, so um, and the second, it must be Christ focused. So focus that he is God's son. He died and he raised from the dead. And of course, it must be response oriented. Um, today, we should focus our message for those to make a commitment, um, not only to uh, giving their lives to Jesus Christ, but also a commitment to discipleship. So when we come together on, on Saturdays to, to worship um, together, our the call should not be for salvation. The call should be for discipleship because we should be able to minister to those. Like uh, we have this mentality that uh, if, we, if we're if we uh, on our job, we may see some, we may interact with somebody who's unsaved. But then you would say, "Come to my church so you can, you know, talk to my preacher and talk to my pastor and things of that sort." Instead of extending the the salvation to them right then and there, okay? So we have to really correct our approach when we're ministering to one another that you don't have to bring them to a preacher. You are the preacher. <laughs> you don't have to bring them to, to the pastor to be saved. Begin to walk them through the steps of salvation there. And then you can invite them to church and then they would be extended the, the call to discipleship or you can even extend the call to discipleship right then and there. So if you want to learn more about Jesus and uh, you want to learn more about God, come, come with me to, you know, to TLC or come with me to, to church or whatever. You can extend the discipleship right then and there. And that is what God is calling us to do is begin to walk those, walk people through these steps. And uh, of course, to make disciples. That is the key. That is what Jesus is calling for us to do as we go, as we're on our job, as we're out uh, on, in, in the store, as we're, whatever we're doing, we should be always in the position of ready to, um, ready, ready to minister to one another, to preach the gospel, and also to, um, make disciples, to walk them through the steps of discipleship, to, um, to, uh, invite them or to begin. You may, they might not be comfortable coming to TLC. They may want you to start teaching them. Oh, that's a big one right there. So you have to be ready to even, uh, the Lord will, will, when that situation comes, of course, the Lord knows whether or not you're ready for that. And so um, you'll be maybe um, be responsible for teaching them scriptures and things of that sort, or, you know, getting them to a point of being comfortable with script, you know, being comfortable and then bringing them in. So there's always various ways that the Lord will use us and we have to be ready uh, for, for that call. Okay. So that's pretty much, um, this lesson here. Are there any comments or questions? Yes, ma'am. Uh, we had some really great topics. One thing that you said that really stood out to me is, to, um, and asked the, um, calling Jesus the suffering servant, which is mm -hmm. so powerful. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't realize that, um, you know, when you, you know, when you in this walk, 
you know, you have to suffer. You know, you lose friends. I don't lost friends. I don't tell you, I don't lost a lot of people. But the fact that I know what I'm doing it for, you know, and it's like I'm not trying to go back to who I used to be because I know that God has called me to a different place and I know who he has saved me. And I know I didn't been justified. And another thing he was talking about how uh it's crazy because I got this this manager and a mm-hmm. little you Uh, did I lose you? Thank you. He's muted. Um, last year about um this manager, the protest was doing stuff. She was real mean. So the Lord has showed me in a dream that that He's gonna He's softening her heart. Like I've been hearing her at the job talking more about God more, and it's like at the end of the day, instead of me gravitating to my old culture, that old way, that old man. I begin mm-hmm. to pray for that. I said, God, save our soul. You know, God, you know, reveal who you are to her. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, a lot of times when it comes to wonder why people act the way they act, we got to understand sometimes they don't, if you've got Christ, you won't act like that. You know, you'll right. still have some ways, but you know, it's a dying out process, you know? So, um, and it was one, one time when I had the opportunity not too long ago and she said I could tell that you are a believer and she said you convinced me so much and she said you're the first person that convinced me she said I feel it in my spirit she said you know and she was we was in the office and, and I just had the opportunity just to you know let her know how much God loves her and how he's a forgiver you know what I mean just different things and even though I know that my season is about to be up soon there is something else that the Lord has led me to do you know uh, for her and it's crazy because even, even when your enemy come up against you, you can't do nothing but to continue to love on them. You can't, you know what I mean? If you got the love of Christ for real, for real, you're going to love people, the unlovable, you're going to love his people. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you might be the first person that they see because they might not be, you know, willing to come to a church. And it's just so crazy how God has turned that thing around. I'm telling you, like yeah. last year, Lord have mercy. I was thinking I had to go to the altar. Like, Lord, this this woman don't, you know, stop with all of this. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I love the fact that God has given me the heart to have so much compassion and even showing me, like, I understand you see how she is now, but I have the power to turn that thing around. And even in the midst of seeing it in a dream, how even at work, I'm hearing her say more, God, this Lord, help me, Lord. And I'm like, okay, God, I see you moving. Okay, God. Mm-hmm. But I just thank God for the opportunity because I said, God, if you send me somewhere, and even though I know my season is up because he already don't show me, but if you send me somewhere, God, I want to make an impact in a place where you send me. Whatever yeah. you call me to do, even if it means to sacrifice myself, even if it means for trying to humble herself and maybe suffer for a while, just so a, so a, save can be, I mean, so a soul can be saved, and I feel I'm happy because I know the angels are rejoicing. Amen. Talk about the Lord. And I'm like, this was the same woman that was so mean to everybody. I'm talking about fell out with almost the whole school. And she said, and I'm still asking God, have mercy on her. Even mm-hmm. came up against me. Even the Lord showed me she done came up against me. It's been spoke up outside job or whatever. Cause I used to be her supervisor a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so long time ago, she would ask me like, Hey, how should, how should I do this? And I'm like, well, and so when she asked me, she got intimidated because you know, they always say that your character, you know what I mean? Your gift can't take you where your character can't take you. It don't matter how gifted you are. If you don't have no character and no integrity, it don't even mean nothing. So 
So I, you know, I'll be quiet. I took the, you know, back row seat. I stopped telling her things. So she got intimidated. But I said, even in that, God can still use me as a vessel to pray for her. Because at the end of the day, I realized that he's not coming for the ones that super saves. So he need those broken people, those wounded people, because those are the ones that he, he said, I came for the sick. I came for the lost. I came for the hopeless. And so I just thank God for that. So when you said that, that just really remind me of how powerful God is and how he moved just like that. He won't even look like, Lord, I, I, I want, cause I wasn't going to go back into school. I'm, I was not going back into school, but yeah. I feel like, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. Let me go back. Cause if it means me going back and somebody that was, wasn't saved becomes saved, then Hey, you get the glory. Amen. So, yep. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. That right there. It's like, that allows us to, to, to know that we must be always in a position of ministering because you may not know who the Lord may lead you to. Um, Eva, go ahead. I just wanted to just say, Elder, this is a good class. I've been uh, uh, attentive throughout the whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was really just, just clenching my lips not to say anything. But uh, since we're at the end of the class, um, I do want to just go back and touch just a little bit. This I have nothing really to add to, but I just wanted to because uh, it's always it always blesses me about the resurrection, as you know. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, "I am." He yeah. said, "I am the resurrection mm-hmm. and the life." And so, uh, you know, we was, I know I was hearing you know discussions around Lazarus and the tomb. Uh, when Jesus uh, is this is this a shadowing? So let's just take it right here. He said, "I am the resurrection." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So saying, "I am the resurrection," is a sure shadow typology, however you want to say it. Uh, what it looks like if he has the power of life and death in his hand. He mm-hmm. said, "I am the resurrection." What did he say to us? He said, "He, he said those who are asleep will rise." Mm-hmm. I am the resurrection. Yeah. So he just that's why he was so hurt to why I've been with you. You still don't know who I am. Still don't get it. So to <laughs> me, that's just, you know, that's just when we when we look at Lazarus tomb, just look at it and see it and not they see the resurrection is not what is done for him. He is it. Mm-hmm. I am the mm-hmm. resurrection. So mm-hmm. that's why he didn't have to hurry to Lazarus because. You know, I I have the power to raise. I am the risen. Mm-hmm. I am. So that blessed me. So I just want to let you know I was tuned in. Uh-huh. And I was waiting for that when I, I was know. talking about the <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, anybody else want to add on? And I looked like, see if you gonna unmute <laughs> No, you was because yes. what you gave was good. You know, I couldn't have said it any better, but I said I didn't wanna um hiccup in between the lessons so i wanted right, you to right. go ahead and flow yeah. on through and i said at the end <laughs> let me just chime because i started to, to message you and let you know i said now let me time on chime on in and just you know for mm-hmm. anyone who may be listening just to get that little bit tag tag nuggets just believe in the fact he is he, he is. said i am the resurrection mm-hmm. and the life. yes so i was yes. blessed <laughs> yes yes thank you for that thank you yes and that's something You're that welcome. Uh, definitely need to to walk away from to understand that he is the resurrection it's like he is whatever you need for him to be like he's that 
um, and that he has all power uh, in his hands. So, yeah, definitely. This lesson has blessed me and I pray that it blessed you all as well. Learn about the different aspects of the resurrection and what the Jews thought the resurrection should look like versus what Jesus was trying to communicate to the to the Jews what the resurrection was. So um, next week we definitely no wait uh, next week is like thirtieth, and I think that's the our our friends and family day. So we won't have class next week um, because um, they're prepping. They're going to do early prepping, and so. Um, we decided not to do class for, for, for that. So next week there is no class. Um, so we'll start back up the beginning, the first, um, I guess that will be the first Saturday in November. So you have time to catch up on your reading <laughs> and also to start on chapter three. Uh, we'll do that. Pro uh, yeah. Chapter three, we'll probably do that within, uh, about two weeks as well. So, uh, doing it within the, the time span of two weeks. So um, yeah, no class next week, but we will have it the first uh, Saturday in November. So let me um, pray out. So Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for allowing us to get together and to uh, to praise and to honor you, God, and to thank you, God, for uh, you being the resurrected one. Uh, thank you uh, that all power is in your hand and that because you have resurrected, we will as well, we can have that expectation of being resurrected, God, uh, being restored, being revived, Father. So thank you, oh God. Um, I pray, oh God, that you will continue to bless those who are online and continue to um, encourage them. And I pray that they will continue to, to study your word and continue to um, be your disciple, be um, be taught, be learned, oh God, by um, spiritual leaders, by the Holy Spirit, God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that constantly illuminates the word, God, for us. So God, we lift you up and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. And you guys have a good week.